Hello, I'm Sharon Hollis. I'm the President of the Uniting Church in Australia Assembly. Welcome to my podcast, Dwelling. I'm really hoping that with this podcast, I can bring to you some of the rich, deep conversations I get to have as President of the Uniting Church. Uh, Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast Dwell. Uh, We're just about to start a season focusing on women of the Uniting Church um, that will begin uh, around International Women's Day and I'm delighted today to be joined by the first of our women of the Uniting Church, uh, Dr Natalie Sims. Uh, Natalie is known to me, it's a pleasure to actually be able to interview a friend. Natalie and I were members of the same congregation for some time Uh, She's a musician, she's the host of a well-known podcast, uh, not podcast, a website on um, lectionary music. She's a research scientist, a wife, a mother, and a fabulous member of her local congregation. So I'm really looking forward uh, to the conversation today. I want to acknowledge that we're recording this podcast on the land of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Pay my respects to their elders past and present and to their descendants. Natalie, thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on my podcast. It's great to be able to catch up and to have this conversation about um, your life and your ministry in the Uniting Church and beyond. Thanks, so welcome. <laughs> Natalie, do you want to just begin by telling us a bit about um, your journey in the Uniting Church and how you find yourself a member of the Uniting Church at the moment? Sure. Um, I, I, I grew up in, with the Uniting Church, really, so was um, always involved in the church from when I was a little kid because my parents were and my grandparents were and so on. But, of course, it wasn't the Uniting Church back then. Um, even though it wasn't, we grew up in an area where our congregation was part of a united parish, so we were already united before the Uniting Church came into being. And I grew up in... Uh, most of my growing up years were in a town, was in a town um, called One Tree Hill in South Australia that has one church. And so church was just central to community life mm. in the town where I grew up. There was no um, idea of did you go to this church or that church. Most people just went to the same church regardless of their denominational background. And if anyone was in need in the local community, the church was always there to step in. So it was um, really central to my life growing up. Um, and then, of course, I went to university and, and met other people of faith and um, gradually um, move, eventually moved out of home when I was doing my PhD studies when I moved to Sydney. And that was really the first time I had to choose what church mm-hmm. I would go to, which I think is a really significant um, stage in life for young people to choose, firstly, whether to go to church, which for yeah. me was a no-brainer, I was going to go, um, but then to choose which church to go to. And um, for most of the time I lived in Sydney, I was a member of Paddington Uniting Church, which was a really formative experience for me. So a lot of really deep theological discussion and really good community involvement there as well and involvement in the arts as well as justice work. Um, And then lived in the US for a couple of years, came back to Melbourne, moved to Brunswick Uniting Church, and and that's where I've been ever since. Thanks for that. Um you're a really uh, um so we knew each other at Brunswick and I know you're a really active member there and you've chaired the church council and you're on the music I think you coordinate the music roster in fact um what are the things you appreciate about that congregation oh well the people first um it's it's a it's a community that's quite diverse um mostly local people but not exclusively local people um thoughtful people 
I think one of the things that's really important about the congregation and most congregations really is that people want to engage theologically with their daily life mm. and think about both the the way they live and the way they think about politics and news events through a theological lens. And that's really important. I mean, the other great thing about Brunswick is, is the music. And yep. we're, we're a bit famous for that. Um, we've, we're fortunate to have strong musicians and musicians who want to get involved. So one of the things that we do there is we do have a music roster where people can get involved and you can play only once every two months if that's all you can handle. But it also means that there's a community that gets built among those people who are making music on Sunday mornings. Yeah. yeah. And um, one of the things you're famous for in the, in the kind of beyond the United, in the United Church, but beyond it internationally now is um, I think it started as a blog and it's a website and um, it's called Singing the Lectionary where you help uh, guide worship leaders in, um, in music selection. What made you start that? project yeah it it started because we had um a minister at our church who wasn't sure what the songs were that our congregation was familiar with and so I got in the habit of, of sort of sending him suggestions every week via an email and then um a friend um started parish ministry in her first parish and that was Avril Hannah Jones mm. and um I thought oh I should send my suggestions to Avril as well she knew that I'd been emailing them and so they started emailing them to her and it kind of started being this thing where I was emailing more and more people and I'd forget someone. And then I thought, well, I think I should just put this on a website. Mm. And I informed um, uh, the, the woman who runs textweek.com and let her know that I'd set up the website. And I think that's where people really all over the world started to access it. And it, it's exciting. I mean, I'll get these sort of random emails from people all over the world saying, oh, I just found your blog and I love it. Thanks for what you're doing. Or people sending me music that they've written to say, mm -hmm. can, can you put this on your blog and make it available to people? So it's it's a wonderful thing. And and for me, um, it's enjoyable. I mean, I, I'm a musician in my spare time. Um, I'm a scientist during the day. And so I find it quite um, relaxing to have this evening activity that I do once a week. I'm not thinking about my daily work life at all, but I'm able to do something that's useful to so many people. Um, and I enjoy just um, just like that. It's, it's, it's lovely how it's happened. And I, I should say that one of the things that also made it happen is that our congregation merged with another congregation mm -hmm. at around the time that I'd started the website. And because of that merger, it meant we had more people who were able to take on leadership roles. And I was able to step back from church council, which meant that I had a bit more free time and I could invest that into the website. So I had yep. time when I first set it up to actually get it set up in a way that would work. And the congregation freed me up to do that. Oh, it's just so amazing. And I love the way that it just started with this one small thing and then another thing and then you added another person. And um, I think it's in some ways the growth of it, it sort of sums you up in a way that you, you, you engage in lots of acts of kindness that just grow and multiply. And, uh, you know, when I think of you, I think of you as just somebody who, who knows how to do kindness. And, oh, thank you. Um, That's lovely. And the blog is almost a mm. classic example of that. This, this I have a gift you have a need, I can kindly offer you this and it just grew and grew and I think that's fabulous. 
When you think about what to list each week, what guides your thinking as you think about what music might, um, like do you have some sort of lenses or? Yeah, it's changed over the years. So when I first set up the website, I I would read through each of the readings every week and, and just think about, well, what does the songs, does that make me think of? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also work through um, uh, the indices of the different hymn books. I've got rather a lot of hymn books now, which is nice to have an excuse to buy hymn books yes. because I'm helping other people as well as enjoying looking through them. Um, and, and at the moment, a lot of what I do is trying to find new music um, because it's easy to fall back on the songs that we know and usually they're great but there's so many good new songs that are being written out there and they're so readily available now on the internet, much more so than they used to be. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm a lot less reliant than I, I was on, on hymn books and what's actually being published on paper and much more spending my time finding the websites where people are starting to publish new music and putting them out there. So, so looking at other people's groups and seeing what's about. Mm. Yeah. And I, I love the way you... Um... You pick songs and occasionally there's just a little comment and I think, oh, that's an interesting comment. Or I wouldn't have thought of that that way. There's, it, I think that's one of the riches of it. it. It lets us see a little bit of your theological thinking mm. um, in a way that you, you're perfectly free to agree or disagree with. And it, um, it just for me is so interesting how sometimes it's they're not big comments you make, just usually a <laughs> sentence. But it opens up a whole new way of thinking, like that that connection between uh, a hymn text, a, a Bible text, and your your theological thinking. Mm. It just opens up new ways to think about the text. That I think that's another uh, another gift of that of that process of dialogue. You, no, that's you, that's that's great. I think I think one of the things too that that I want people to understand is that, you know, this is a list of songs that I would like to sing for these yes. meetings. It's and that I think your community might like to sing. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not every song, and and, and in the early days, I would get criticism from people saying, you know, why aren't you listing this song? As I because I don't like it. You know, it's, <laughs> and there's not a lot of songs I don't like. But but it's if if it's a song that I can't imagine singing with with my community and you know I'll extend it a bit because I list some songs that I know probably Brunswick wouldn't be that interested in singing but I'd like to sing it yep um but if it's not something I like I'm I'm not going to list it because it you can look up a hymn index and find hymns yourself if you want to yeah Um, but but I also do think it's really important that that we engage very carefully with the songs we're singing you know, we make sure that the, the lyrics are meaningful to us, not just something we love because of nostalgia, which is also sometimes has a place, um, but, but to think through why are we singing this song, what's it for, and what else can we do with it? What, how can we use this song in a way that is refreshing and, and is a new way and speaks to us in different ways from how it yeah. might have five years ago, for example? And what does music mean to your faith? Oh, that's a big question. What does music mean to my faith? Oh, um, I think music for me is is something that you do, and and that's something that I learned very much from my mum. Yeah, um, music is is yeah. I listen to music as well, but primarily music is something that I do, and 
music of a congregation is one of those things where we have the opportunity to respond together and to participate in the worship service. And we join our voices together in song, and that's a powerful thing to do. That's one of the reasons why I particularly like um, a cappella singing, mm. you know, singing hymns without any, any instruments accompanying us, because then you, you hear the voice of the person next to you and you're, you're together and you're worshipping God together and, and supporting each other. And I, I really noticed during COVID, because we did a lot of um, recordings of music for online services, that it's hard to sing a hymn on your own. Mm. Have it sound good because when I'm singing with the congregation sometimes I'll skip a line because I'm thinking or praying or just a bit overwhelmed um you can't you can't do that <laughs> when you're making a solo recording but but I think that says a lot about what what communal singing is is yeah. it's, it's it's part of building our community of faith and supporting each other as well as singing praise to God and and learning new ways to express our faith as well through the poetry yeah Thanks for that. And uh, Natalie, you mentioned that you do this in your spare time when you have a day job. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your day job? Yeah, I'm, I'm a medical researcher. Um, I'm Deputy Director of St Vincent's Institute of Medical Research. And uh, we're a research institute that works on uh, multiple diseases. I study the skeleton. I'm really interested in working out how we can prevent osteoporotic fractures. Um, so my, my key message for everybody listening um, who doesn't know this is that your skeleton is always changing and everything you do during your life changes the structure of your skeleton. Exercise is obviously good for it. Your diet is very good for it as well. Um, but if we want to live long and healthy lives, we need to look after our skeleton. So I study the cells that are in the skeleton and that are responsible for renewing, renewing it throughout life and trying to understand how it works and how we can change the way those cells behave so that we can improve skeletal health, particularly for people who've got weak skeletons as they get older, if they have osteoporosis and are more likely to fracture. So that's, that's what I do in my day job. And I imagine that's not um, at the sexy end of scientific research. Is it hard to attract interest and funding to, to your kind of research? Yeah, I mean, most people listening, I, I hope, are aware that that research funding is at a bit of an all-time low for medical research in Australia at the moment. Um, if you work in a disease that's um, primarily a chronic condition like osteoporosis and that primarily affects older people and older women, it doesn't um, get as much um, attention from the public as something that, for example, might affect children or cancer um, because you know, older women just tend to put up with the pain of osteoporosis. So there's no... Um, large funding bodies outside the government for doing research into osteoporosis, which is a real problem for us. Um, so if anyone wants to start a foundation to raise lots of money for osteoporosis research, talk to me. Yep. Talk to you. <laughs> and yeah. It's such an interesting observation, you know, because this is part of a series about women in the Uniting Church, that observation that because you work in a disease that affects not, not exclusively but primarily older women, that medical research does, gender still impacts medical research and what mm. we're willing to fund and age yes. impacts yeah. what we're willing to fund. And um, the, the fact that you're willing to engage in that is a, a kind of testament to like to not giving in to the, those kinds of things that, that limit how we view people and, mm. and the sort of 
biases we often society has. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. so. Um, no, it's 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 also that look, the skeleton is really interesting. It's also that I I am just fascinated with how the skeleton works and how it forms, how it shapes itself and how it changes throughout life. It really it's quite amazing. I mean, if you just think about a baby turning into a fully grown adult, all of those processes that have to happen and be coordinated for that to happen well, it's it's really remarkable. And that, I mean, I, I I guess when you a parent you do think about that for your child like because obviously you watch them gradually um i i I'd not really thought as much about how how my skeleton might be changing even now in my 50s mm. and mm. i should best pay attention to that yeah absolutely so that's another good message to take away <laughs> when you think about your work how does your does, does your faith shape your work or influence your work or does your work influence your faith um, yes, uh, that's another big question. Um, my faith certainly shapes the, the reason why I work. I mean, mm. I do care about healing of people. Um, I do care about finding ways to help people retain strength and, and a valuable life as they grow older. Um, it's also part of... Uh, I, I wish I was better biblically educated, but there's all of these <laughs> psalms that talk about um, studying God's design and, and mm. the, the beauty of creation. And, and I feel that a lot in the research that I do. I mean, my, my fascination with the skeleton, uh, there's faith within that as well. It's, it's yep. this admiration of, of what, what has been created to make human life. Um, I, I also am very conscious of being... Um, uh, an honest and uh, supportive scientist in the way that I work, um, both within my own research team and the way that I interact with others in the workplace. And I think most people who work will, their faith will come into their daily interactions mm-hmm. with how they support people, how they support others, and how they choose to um, build the people around them and support them in their work life as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's very much in there. That's, um, I think, so interesting what you're saying about uh, both the, the kind of drive to study the skeleton and because when you were talking about those changes, I, I just kept thinking about that phrase, fearfully and wonderfully made, and how that's actually a lifelong thing. That's an, it, 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 it's, it's not just you're born that mm. way, but that, that sense of being wonderfully made is mm. throughout our lives and... Um, yeah. And that we have to collaborate with that. Uh, that's the other thing I took from what you said when you talked mm. about that exercise. And we have to be co-collaborators with what God's doing in, in our in our skeleton. That's a great way to think about it. I love that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm never I'm gonna never gonna think about the skeleton the same again. Now. Good, good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> but also I think what you're saying about you know, the ethics of research, the ethics mm-hmm. of being a team member, that that's all part of um, what makes up faith yeah. uh, and the life of, of faith. Um, I, I just might finish with um, one of the things the person that nominated you said, talked about was the rest of your life as well, that you're a, a, a partner, a wife, a mother, a friend, a, an aunt, a, a daughter, <laughs> um, and... I mean, as I said, I, I know you and I've, I've personally experienced um, your kindness um, at a deep moment in my life when I needed it. Um, 
what what's what do you, do you have any sense of what's made you you know um be that kind of person in in the the daily communities of life uh that you just live with day in day out yeah i i mean i oh i don't know you're asking all these really big questions um a lot of it is is my parents Yes. Um, they're, they're people who are very engaged in their community. They were always engaged in the church and still are, even though they've moved and are now in a new church. Um, and I, I think it's one of the things that they've taught me is, is about always being involved and, and being part of the community that you're in and supporting other people and, you know, being a, a good family member and all of mm. those things. I think a lot of it comes from my parents and comes from being part of the church. Yeah. Not all of what I learned as a, as a kid about how to relate to other people, how to relate to the world, what other people in the world go through. My, my sense of, of politics and justice really came from the church far more than from, you know, watching the TV news or what I learned at school church was so formative for for all of that stuff so I think it's 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 both parents and church but also the fact that church was something we did as a family as mm. well and and I think you know I think a lot about how how do we as a church and how do we as the, the older generation now encourage the next generation and a lot of that is about talking openly about our faith within our families mm. and and being part of the church and encouraging our, our kids to be part of the church, not just as spectators, but to be really involved and, and do whatever they can, you know, from, from their own, own viewpoint of where they are and, and not to think I need to be part of church the way my parents are part of church. Mm. I need to find what it is that, that I should be doing and how it connects with me and my life. And, you know, they might come up with a different answer and that's okay. But to have been given the tools to ask those questions and to work out where they fit within church and where church fits with them and where their faith fits with them, it's, it's important. And, and it needs all the family support, I think. Mm. And, um, I, and I think the thing I, I'm taking from what you're saying, what you said the whole time is that sense of family and belonging to a community that mm. who we are has to be shaped not just by our own internal life, as important as that is, but by belonging to other people, by belonging to a community and committing to that community. Um, and I think that's why... I don't know who nominated you, but I suspect that's part of what they saw in you too, that deep commitment mm. to belonging to community. And um, and I think the things you've talked about, the music ministry, um, being on church council, um, singing together, they all speak to, to that sort of sense of belonging to, a, to, to community that shapes um, our lives. And um, that sounds like, I mean, that's, it strikes me as that's been a rich gift for you. Mm. Mm, for your life. Mm. Uh, Natalie, I am really uh, want to say thank you for talking to me today. I've learned so much. Um, I've learned a lot about music. Uh, I'm, a, I'm not a doer of music. I'm a listener of music. Um, I'm one of those ministers that drive musicians insane because I read the words, but I know nothing about the tune <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, uh, and I've, I've just loved the little glimpse into your uh into your working life and to the way 
um, you work in an area that's so important. Your health message to us as well has been very important. But I've just, I've really loved the conversation, the warmth and the faith that you've shared with us. So thank you for being on my podcast today. I'm really grateful. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been lovely to spend some time with you too, Sharon. Thank you.